This is the Master of Cinema Cast. My name is Joachim. And my name is Tom Jennings. And today we are joined with our past guest, Hunter Dusing from the Midnight Movie Cowboys. Thank you for joining us, Hunter. Hey guys, how's it going? Sorry if it sounds like the Animal Kingdom on my end. The dogs are restless. <laughs> no, my cat will be joining us quite shortly, yeah, no doubt. He seems to know when I'm recording. So. <laughs> okay, so today we are talking about the, the Gospel according to Matthew, and we were supposed to do this around Easter time, but uh, it got delayed and we thought we would do it anyways. But Hunter, what is your like relationship to... Pasolini, do you have any knowledge about his other films, or is this your only entry point? I've seen um, Salo, of course, mm. which is probably his most notorious work. And I've also seen Arabian Nights and the Canterbury Tales. Mm-hmm. I haven't managed to make it through the Decameron, but I'm, I'm going to give it another go. No, do. It's well worth it. Yeah. I think. No, I really it, enjoyed and it's it. not because I didn't like it. It's just whenever I've tried to watch it, I get interrupted. Yeah. But yeah, I like that uh, trilogy of life. I think, it, I, thought, I think it's a lot of fun. No, it definitely is. Gospel According to Matthew, though, is, a, is a, a favorite. But I haven't seen any outside of that. I haven't seen like a lot of the Mama Roma and Neorealist stuff. Either. What about you, Tom? Yeah, he's actually, oddly enough, I, I think sometimes when I think of Pasolini and think of like my favourite directors, um, he, he's one of the few directors who I own every single one of his films. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got them all on, on some format or other. And um, yeah, I kind of love him in a way. And I, I don't, I, I just don't consciously think of him as being one of those kind of directors who I kind of put in my kind of you know, top echelon of kind of kind of people whose work I follow. But yeah, I really love Pasolini's work. Um, Salo, obviously, it's the one where kind of like um, I suppose it's I, I always sort of st- say start there and work yourself back because hmm. you can't <laughs> yeah, you can't really. get any more debauched than that. And it's <laughs> it's the only film. I can honestly say where I've, ever, I've actually wretched whilst I've watching it, which is a complete first. So, I mean, I know, I know it's, it, might, it might not seem that controversial now, but I find it that disgusting. Um, well, the, it's kind of hard to get past the poo eating. You know? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's an insane film. I, I, I think I'm glad I, it exists, but I'm not glad I've seen it, if that makes sense in a kind of right. crazy way. But, yeah, I've, I've watched all of his films. I enjoy all of his films. And I'd probably say this is actually my favourite one of his films. So, Oh, wow. Certainly, yeah, he's a director who I do enjoy. Yeah, I started with Salo myself, and uh, this is the second film we've covered on the MOC cast. The first one was on Akitoni with uh, Bill Gabiri, and I highly recommend, if you haven't listened to that one, to go back uh, in our archives and find that. But um, I've only seen those two, and also that uh, omnibus film that is uh, on the MOC, The Rogo Peg, where he made the short film La Ricotta, and oddly enough, that is a film about a film crew who are making a film about Christ. And one of the members, he takes a position on the cross and that kind of set up a crucifixion scene where due to all the food he's eaten, um, he, unbeknownst to everyone else on the film crew, he apparently dies from indigestion. And this, this led to like huge controversy and the jail sentence that Pasolini got. But it's interesting that that was made in 63, this was made in 64, and it was also blessed by the Pope. And do you, do you, do you guys know anything about like the, the history of the making of this film? I do. Um, I'm, gonna go, I'm going kind of off of memory here, mm-hmm. so if you, uh, if you have any corrections, let me know. But uh, I heard that Pasolini, the Pope was, this was Pope John, uh, I can't, it, he, it was good Pope John, as he's known. <laughs> And um, and he very beloved pope from the 20th century, and he uh, was calling a conference for like secular like a conversation uh, with secular artists, and Pasolini was interested, and he went, and I for some reason or another he was holed up in his hotel room. I think traffic there was a traffic jam or something. And there was a uh, Bible in the hotel room, and he read the Gospels, and he was particularly taken with the Gospel of Matthew. I think he said that um, John was too mystical, I think Mark was too vulgar, and uh, Luke was like sentimental or something like that. But he, he really loved the Gospel of Matthew, and he sort of tossed away his other ideas and really began to... Uh, focus on this idea of making uh, the gospel of Matthew into a film. And he wanted to make it like just straightforward adaptation, like only use dialogue spoken in the book. 
not adding anything, not, I don't know if, because I'm not, I, all the gospels kind of run together in my head, so I don't know if he cut out anything, but, you know, he wanted to make it in the Holy Land initially, but he ended up shooting it in Italy, because I, I think he got the feel for the Holy Land. There's that feature on the, um, on the, the Masters of Cinema Blu-ray where he's scouting in Palestine, mm. But uh, I think he he initial he ended up shooting it in Italy, and uh, those same locations were later used by Mel Gibson in The Passion of the Christ, I believe. That's what I remember, but I'm sure there's more to it than that. But it's interesting that Pasolini, who's a known like atheist, he's a homosexual, he's a Marxist, Marxist, and he gets this uh, kind of decree from the Pope to make this film, and he, he obviously said to the Pope that he is not a, a believer mm-hmm. that Christ was the son of god but he does believe christ to be uh, a divine figure Mm -hmm. and i believe he said that in him was the humanity so great rigorous and ideal as to go beyond the common terms of humanity and you can really see this is a different christ we are watching here than something like the greatest story ever told or what's that uh demille film from the 30s uh king of kings yes Tom, so so what I was thinking the whole time was uh, Tom. Tom is happy because this is not Republican Jesus. <laughs> oh no! I mean, I I, I, well, I know I will get on to Republican Jesus when we get further on in this conversation. Believe me, Republican Jesus is is all there, all well and good. I, I think I think what I, I what I love about this film, and I I, I mean you know I, I make no bones about it, and we Hunter we talked about this when we we did the uh, the Last Temptation of Christ on, on on my other podcast. Is that obviously I'm kind of uh, you know something of an atheist myself. That was a great time, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was two, two hours of um, shall we say not agreeing only on the fact that the end of the the Last Temptation of Christ looks like the opening sequence of Commando. But we'll go if you if you don't know what I'm talking about, go and yes. listen to that episode and, and and you'll hear it. But no, I mean I, I find it, I think it's really interesting that someone like you know like Pasolini would make this type of film and in a way I, I sometimes think that I think that the best people to make a film like this mm-hmm. it's I remember listening to um, Ridley Scott once when he was talking about when he went to shop film and Louise and he was kind of like he was just amazed by the stuff that people would think was really boring like line dancing and you know telegraph poles and long roads and he was like oh my god this is amazing it looks fantastic mm-hmm. and it, it kind of brings that kind of set it to it and I think Pasolini I think kind of someone who's that kind of you know devout and atheist to go into those texts and make a film about it. I think that's a really interesting concept in and of itself because when I watch this film, it actually, I, I feel, I, I mean, I, I don't believe a word of the Bible, obviously. I don't believe any of this actually happened or I don't for a second believe that Jesus actually existed. But when I watch this film, I actually kind of feel some kind of emotional connection to it because he kind of seems to shoot it from the perspective of a storyteller and a filmmaker mm. and that for me works a lot better than someone who's so reverential of the text it's one of the reasons why i absolutely detest the passion of the christ mm-hmm. um, i think it's just a horrific film i don't know what i'm, I'm supposed to get out of that but i, I found this I, I kind of get into kind of I, I come the end of that come the end of this film i i feel quite kind of moved which is something having watched kind of the king of kings and i watched the bible over um uh, Easter actually which is a, kind of a, a, a mental John Huston film but I, I, I kind of like this is this is one of the few films about Jesus where I really really get into it and kind of feel I think I, I kind of get what you're meant to get out of it if that makes sense right and uh, one thing you were talking about Joachim about how he Pasolini felt Jesus was a divine figure I think one thing that attracts him to Jesus is that he sort of recognized the sort of nonconformist nature of Jesus, mm-hmm. like the sort of rebellious streak. Mm. I think that might've attracted Pasolini to him because like, I mean, Jesus is more, this is a more confrontational Jesus mm. in this oh, movie. Absolutely. This is, this is anti-capitalist. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's part of Occupy. I think this Jesus, <laughs> he is, he's seriously pissed off a lot, a lot of things. And, yeah, I, I totally down with that. He's a very more, he, he's very much a more kind of proactive, trying to change the world, and it, it's that's perhaps what I liked about it. That's why when, when we're going to talk about Republican Jesus quite shortly, <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons why I really like this film. Yeah, but he's showing he's showing the story not of like Jesus Christ, the the divine reverential figure, but is this, it's a story about a believer and someone who is devout. 
but the style is that of a non-believer. It's very stark, it's very simple, it's breaking away from all this traditional storytelling, uh, where it has this sort of like stream of consciousness feel, uh, and where it has this very existential imagery at times, and very like eclectic music that I, I can't yes. really remember anything like it. Yeah, that... When I first saw this movie, I was struck by the use of music. Like, he was using uh, African spirituals. And I'm not talking, like, African-American spirituals. He uses those, too. Mm-hmm. But it opens with, uh, like, African... It's not gospel music. But it's spiritual music or something. And, uh, like, uh, I f- they play that Odetta song, I Feel Like a Motherless Child, when the Magi come to visit. Mm-hmm. Which, one of the Magi... I didn't look it up, but I think it was Pasolini played one of the the kings who visits the child Jesus. I, I seem to notice that chin. Okay. <laughs> Pasolini has such a distinctive chin, but I need to look it up and see uh, if that was him or not. But uh, I just, the music during that part, I was, it, it, and it came up a few times later, like when Jesus is baptized and stuff. The music just, it, it struck me. It also used Pro- Prokofiev, the great Russian composer, mm-hmm. and um, some other great pieces too. You were talking about the opening segment uh, with the father, and I feel like mm. that's one thing for me. The movie re- really doesn't get going for me until Jesus is an adult, and the opening mm-hmm. it feels sort of like a cliff notes of an opening where you have different segments of the father receiving messages and going to Egypt and then going back to Israel, and then we're suddenly jumping ahead of time, and then we really get to the meat of the story. It tells the back. It's it's like Batman Begins. Isn't it? it kind of tells that it tells that backstory we all know so well and you know and, and it kind of does that but i guess at the end of the day i mean it, it's trying to kind of it's telling the life and death of jesus isn't it so yeah. i kind of and i'm quite game with it to be honest with you i don't i don't tend to i didn't notice it kind of like it was dragging or anything like that yeah. i think i was quite down with it and one thing i liked about the opening of the movie is it i i love that opening scene with uh mary pregnant mm. standing in that doorway and joseph just looking at her like sad and disappointed and he walks away mm-hmm. yeah absolutely like, and i, I love, and I would, love you not, that. would you not be you know yeah, yeah i mean yeah, yeah it's like it totally i mean it's like i've always thought that about joseph that poor guy yeah you know i mean uh that's it's such it it really hits home what a hard thing that must have been to take Exactly. Him. Yeah, and it, and and it, it personalizes the story in a way which yeah, yeah I, I I can't think of another version is it because I I'm sure in every depiction I've, I've seen before it's like oh hey yeah my wife's pregnant don't know how <laughs> that happened but I'm just gonna go I'm just gonna go but in this it's like kind of like it's like uh, okay we're gonna um, go hang out with some animals in the <laughs> manger. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, but it's like, it's like you know, he, his face genuinely kind of gets that like oh, oh well yeah what the hell what, what's going on here and all that kind of thing and I think that kind of like it humanizes the story a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's very simple and I thought it was very poetic way to start mm-hmm. the film one thing that really caught my my interest is how he uses these non-professional actors throughout the film he uses an economic student for jesus he uses his own mother as the mother of jesus he uses some like noted people in the intellectual community at the time and there's this sense of like neorealism uh, brought to this mm-hmm. sort of fantasy storytelling like he perceives it to be many of the shots they're like long shots where we can't really see who's delivering the line to kind of get around that non-professional actors thing uh, and to keep the shooting time compressed he seems to do everything in a large take and then if anyone flubs their line he could do just do that uh, afterwards um but just that right. that sense of approaching this film like a neorealism project it's very different from anything that's handling the christ figure before i did kind of notice like you you talk about the neorealism style and sort of the long shots i was struck by especially on this viewing this past viewing uh how during jesus's trial and like the the passion part you kind of feel like you're just in the crowd watching this happen yeah yeah it's not really it's not really up close and personal like say mel gibson's film it's very like you're sort of watching it watching it unfold from a distance like you just see jesus over in the corner and you see Pilate speaking and um it was uh i was kind of struck by how quickly that part of the movie goes by yeah i think i think this point might come from the fact that he doesn't he's not revering the text i I never Mm -hmm. get i never get the impression that this is kind of like worshiping the, the character I don't even think it worships Jesus particularly I think it's just, he's just shooting it as a film mm-hmm. he's actually gone through it got his you know and made some kind of directorial notes and it is you know I, I think 
perhaps its budget is belied a little bit by the fact that you know how it works. I mean, there's lots of kind of you know just footage of Jesus walking across the hills and that kind of thing. But that's I think that's the thing I like about it. I, I think it is a lot more toned down than those ridiculous those ridiculous sort of Hollywood, which I don't, which I do love by the way. The kind of <laughs> the big Hollywood sixties productions of these kind of films. But what I love about it is it's kind of stripped back to the fact that you know. Well, and and here's the thing too is you know the Catholic Church loves this movie. It's very much it's on the short list of movies they recommend. And the you you talk about it not being reverential, like yeah, it's it doesn't like drown the message in this tone. Mm-hmm. And I think stripping it back, you really get Jesus's teachings put front and center. You really get how hard it was it is to be a follower of Christ mm. right there it's it, it it like there's this scene in the movie where Jesus says and it's it's a very it's a very uh hard thing to hear and you can see it in his face that like you know you have to you know love me above your family above your mother and father brothers and sisters your wife whatever and you see Jesus kind of saying it and kind of back and it's sort of goes hand in hand with the the scene with the rich man where he says that he needs to give up all his possessions to <laughs> follow him and about how like worldly possessions uh weigh you down and they they they're not going to bring you salvation they're not going to make you a good person you know they're not going to help you help your fellow man you know it's these it's these things that are very difficult to hear and to live by i say this as a person who you know has trouble living by that and i'm a catholic so (laughs) (laughs) so it, it it is like it is like wow it is so hard to to actually like walk the walk the way jesus and his disciples mm. I th- yeah i think i think there's a gravitas to the words in this film i think that's one of the things i take from it whereas you know if i watch him at the passion of the christ I, f- I feel like i'm watching torture porn whereas when i watch this i feel like there's a kind of when, when he when he when he was talking to disciples and kind of assembling his team as it were it, there's a sense that you, you, there is a yeah like you say there's a kind of a, a sense that this means something more than just kind of trivialities i guess and I, I think that's what, and it, but it's so underplayed as well. I think that's the thing about it. he just uses, Bethany just uses the odd close up, and the reactions of people kind of like walking a wide shot of people walking with him, and that says it all. You don't need a massive musical cue, you don't you don't need kind of anything else other than to show the effects of his words on the people that he's speaking to. And in that respect, I, I think it's a completely kind of um, get the word of Jesus into the film, and in a way which I think is completely understandable. Mm. There's uh, a lot of preaching in this there's a lot of scenes he was kind of renowned for that to be fair Joachim that was kind of Jesus's thing (laughs) (laughs) that was kind of that that was kind of his thing let's be honest like there's that very long sequence where it's yeah uh, it just cuts to different yeah it's like just total five minutes of just like clips of sermons like in different situations times of day weather conditions you know different hairstyles and yeah you can feel like he he is a little bit one direction jesus in this film (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think that was kind of pasolini's type though you know i mean it's how do you cast how do you cast jesus i mean it's you know you do it the appalling way which is william defoe (laughs) which is just ridiculous what's funny is william defoe like early on in in uh last temptation he very much looks like jesus in this movie in terms of hairdo Mm mm-hmm and then uh, he transforms into Republican Jesus as you know, <laughs> later on in the film. But I feel like the, uh, the biggest issue for me is where he comes across as this like angry, rebellious character. He's a revolutionary here. He's speaking against society with a certain anger, and he's more uproarious. Yeah, against. Like, there's so much more leftist approach than what we've seen before. For me, it lacks a sort of visceral, raw emotion for me. It becomes more of a detached experience where I can appreciate what he's saying and what Pasolini's doing visually and intellectually, but I don't really lose myself in the film. And I think that it may be perhaps that the film is designed for an audience that already knows the story, because the story is really not what is compelling here what's compelling here is how the story is told for me and i was definitely searching for uh, a story and pasolini said that he wanted this movie to play like in churches on easter sunday (laughs) like that that's the audience Mm. he had in mind yeah well i guess it's one thing i mean like 
I, I guess the th- I sort of see what you're saying, you know, Kim. But I mean, I, I find with kind of a lot of a lot of these films, they make me obviously because I don't believe it. I don't actually for a second think this actually happened. Mm. But you can still get into good storytelling. And I, I feel this is good storytelling, whereas I, something like The Passion of Christ, you just see someone being tortured to death and it doesn't really kind of resonate with me. But in this, I kind of get the fact that I get the risk involved with what he's doing. Hmm. I get the gravitas of what he's doing and what he's asking of the people that follow follow him. And I get the kind of the sense that how ridiculous it must seem to a lot of people. And let's not, let's not forget, you know, Jesus wasn't someone who everyone just went, oh, hey, look, it's the son of God. That's great. Hmm. He, was, he was ridiculed. He was mocked. And I get that feeling in, in this film. And he seems very human to me, mm. which is he doesn't seem like a kind of divine being, mm-hmm. which I think is part of, for me anyway, that's how, that's my angle into this film is the fact that I think he is quite relatable. And I mean, it's like someone like Che Guevara, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of a modern day Jesus. I mean, people kind of put his image everywhere and they kind of they revere him in this kind of way. And that's how I kind of feel about this film. He has this kind of sacrificial quality to him of a kind of a modern day yeah a modern day Che Guevara in a kind of obviously in the context of this film is the fact that he's kind of Jesus and that that's that's the way I get into it and one of the other things I, I find about the film one of the way I, I so got into it in that way was the fact how the miracles are performed in this film mm. I think are very important to how I get into it because there's no like oh you know it doesn't suddenly dazzle you with a special effect it's so simple it's just a cut of the cat in, inside the camera or even when he's walking on water it's blatantly obvious how he's doing it they got a table put up under the water or something like that he's just walking along it but there's no, there wasn't this kind of like oh you know wow amazing um kind of aspect to it it just seems very kind of natural and i think that's that's how i get into this film that's why i attached myself with the humanity of it i think mm. one thing when you're talking about the revolutionary quality that you know that there's the very famous scene in the gospels where jesus goes to the temple Right, we need to talk about this, Hunter, because we've had this discussion before. Yeah, he's a Marxist and a socialist. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> this guy hates capitalism. He would not agree with the arms trade and would help your shitty healthcare system. <laughs> T- tell me, he wouldn't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think Jesus. Uh, I think it's it's above partisan politics. But uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. But, uh, but no, I was uh, one scene that I really loved was the. Uh, in this was that money the money traders in the temple is normally like jesus is sort of this peaceful guy in these movies and then he goes to the temple and he's like it starts like flipping tables over <laughs> this is my father's house ah! you know and uh, but in this he seems like a really disappointed dad like <laughs> finding like drugs in his son's room like like what's this smacking things off like what is this get this out of here what you what are you guys doing <laughs> yeah i mean i mean well, like although, he's just like bitch slapping things off the tables well i mean but this is it this is i mean this is when i watch these types of this is what i don't understand when you have republican jesus in america republican jesus it's like let's be honest it's it's they're not talking about jesus are they they're talking about a jesus who who who's a republican he isn't. He isn't. No, they, they, he can't be. When you hear them uh, like Republicans banging on about God and how you know he's radio control and Jesus is this and Jesus is that, they clearly haven't read the Bible, or they don't. Un- they don't. They don't understand it and all that kind of you know camel through an eye of a needle stuff like that. That they just go. Yeah, what he means is um, pr- he means is where you're going to put your profits. Uh, what offshore? That's what he means, really. And they, and they don't get it. And when I watch films like this, it's one of the things that angers me is just that you just see the pickers and the choosers coming out, and it's like, just get over the fact the guy's a socialist. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, just, just 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 accept that fact and be and, and move on from it. But I mean, you, you, he, he clearly has an agenda of anti-capitalism, and this mm. film perfectly shows it. I mean, this is someone who is revolutionary. His idea, he hates the concept of commerce. You know, he was telling us. Unfortunately, he didn't exist. But two thousand years ago, Jesus was saying what you know we need to realise now, which is obviously that this kind of rampant obsession we have with commerce is a bad thing and will lead us to bad ways. Hmm. I it's think just- I think there's that, but I also don't think uh, I don't think he would like uh, what, what the kind of socialism that showed up in Soviet Russia. And oh no 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 places. no! It's no. like I mean I think that that there's it's that's a pendulum that swings different ways like like i don't think he'd want like people to you know redistribute wealth with violence you know <laughs> oh no 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 i'm not saying he's like stalinistically in his leftist leanings but if it's going to come to a vote do you think he's going to vote hillary or Rand paul i don't think i'm Jesus just saying votes <laughs> i'm just saying i i don't know i think he's well, gonna get it, uh, 
you know, I, uh, I don't know. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know if he would vote for either of them. You know, because Hillary's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Not as bad as her husband, hopefully. Yeah, you know, they, 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 you know, that whole Whitewater thing wasn't very Christ-like, but in terms of kicking people out of their homes, but... Um. Speaking of mothers, <laughs> the, the best scene—the best scene for me where I really felt—I felt some emotion and I felt sort of invested—was actually the scene where Jesus is giving this sermon to a huge crowd of people, and someone comes up to him and says, "Your mother and your brothers are here," and he turns around and he says something to the effect of, "Who is my mother and who are my brothers?" And he can sort of see the hurt in the mother's eyes it feels like like she's lost her son and he's become this he's become this symbol more than he's her son anymore and you can sort of see her dealing with that loss and yet coming to terms with it in one simple shot of her face yeah that that is a poignant moment that gets brought up uh in the gospels as well mm. uh, that i think he really did a good job underlining that most movies would totally ignore yeah it's, it's very i guess it's kind of the uncomfortable reality of the whole kind of jesus story is you know you've got i mean we talked about that as well before like kind of joseph at the start when he's he's, he's looking at mary and he's a bit kind of like oh, oh, oh hang on what the hell does this mean and then you know you, you see that moment where kind of like you know, mary's obviously realizing that her son is something more than you know they ever imagined and i I think, I think you're right, Joachim. I think there's kind of a melancholy to it, mm. I think. And I think it's one of the things I like about it. It's so underplayed in mm. that regard. I think it kind of shows you the kind of the, I guess, the pitfalls of giving birth to the Son of God. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean, it, 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 it's to downplay that a little bit. You know? Take heed, listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that's one, I think that's one reason uh, Catholics revere Mary so much is that it was uh, not such an easy thing. <laughs> thing to think task to undertake mm. and there's so many I mean, there's so many kind of whole you know there's there's so much in the bible which needs to be filled in and i think this is one, one, one a film like this does a good job yeah. of kind of having those moments it's something it's, it's something that only cinema can do is to have those kind of cutaways mm. Mm. i think that's one, one of the reasons why these stories I, I one of the reasons i'm so attracted to these stories anyway in a kind of a cinematic context is that they kind of do give you those kind of extra nuggets, as it were, mm. to, to kind of find your way, find your way into them. And I, 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 and it's one of the reasons why I, I think I can see why it was so revered by the Catholic Church. This film, I think, it kind of it, it's like you say, it kind of preaches to the converted in the best possible way. Mm. The man playing Jesus, he's very laid back. He doesn't really have like a great spectrum of acting going on there. Do you do you think that it would have perhaps helped if you had a more talented actor? No, it's quite frankly. Mm. I actually think it works. I think it works brilliantly. I'm with Tom. I I really liked the sort of uh, reined inness of his, and and it made these little moments shine a lot more. Like when Jesus is the when the children meet Jesus and they're cheering for him, and you just see this. And that's one of the moments where you see him give this big smile, and it's like I don't know. It was it, I was like you know. So when he does break out of that, it kind of hits you a little more. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's so underplayed. I think that's one of the reasons why I like it. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things, is it, where when you watch any kind of production of Jesus, they're always going to either look like, um, you know, William Defoe, like an American production. This guy obviously looks very Italian, doesn't he? Everybody or... in this movie, like, everybody <laughs> in this movie is so Italian yeah. looking. Like, I know, uh, I, I mean... The yeah. guy who played Judas was like, he looked like a leg breaker for the mob, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you, always, you can never get over that. I mean, how do you cast Jesus? You know, I mean, and, and not and, and not do it in a way where people are going to comment on it. So you yeah, you've got to kind of like draw a line somewhere. Mm. And what I, I kind of like it, about the, the actor playing is, is that I, I think he kind of just says it all with his eyes a lot of the time. And I, I think that the, the fact that his performance is so understated and so kind of under the radar almost, I think it's a case of his actions speak louder in words. Like I was talking about the miracles when they performed in this film because they kind of happened in the blink of an eye and there's no kind of fanfare about it. I mm. think that they make it almost slightly more kind of amazing for me mm. i guess i fall on the other end of that side where i feel like i'm i'm looking for something that i feel you want to see russell crowe <laughs> yeah, Crow, yeah, yeah. That. You, you want to see him go give me the baby you want to see yeah, you want to see russell up there or some or someone like that but no i'm quite I, I can live with the fact that this guy's a kind of just a face basically yeah um and he, and i think uh pasolini chose him because he felt he looked like the jesus of certain renaissance paintings mm. 
like um, he was sort of influenced by that look. Yeah, I read that he uses like heavy anachronistic images where like he, he draws uh, references from very different uh, areas um, of art depicting Jesus's life. And I think he stated that this is telling uh, both the story of Christ, but also 2000 years of storytelling about the life of Christ. But I didn't actually catch that much heavy anachronistic imagery. But did any of you two pick up on that? I mean, I noticed that some of the outfits, like the the soldiers were, were they looked a little out of mm. time. Mm-hmm. They didn't look yeah. like the traditional Roman soldiers. No. They they looked like uh, sort of medieval barbarians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, but I was totally okay with it. You know, it, uh, and the, like I don't know if the Pharisees wore big hats like that or not. I don't <laughs> think they did. But uh, it certainly gave them the air of sort of this established order that that uh, Jesus is is railing against. Yeah, yeah I, I was on the, the Roman kind of thing. I was like, um, hang on a minute, you just look like kind of soldiers who have been drafted in for the day. It's like one of my favorite yeah. films ever is Pan, but every every war scene in that is the Spanish army, and you can tell yeah. it for a mile off. You know, what I mean, they rented the Spanish, and it's like that kind of like glaring thing. And in this, I kind of thought, you guys don't look anything like Romans, but <laughs> you know, whatever. I, I'm not I'm not overly bothered by that. But um, I, I I think one of the things I love about it, it's just the like Pasolini. He always gets into people's faces. I think he had a bit of an obsession with kind of eyes and kind of get kind of medium close-ups of people yeah he does though he he does it a lot and when you watch his films one of those things that you notice and i I guess a lot of contemporary filmists don't go in that close all the time and when we're talking about it off air which was um kind of inherent vice and that kind of thing i've been watching quite a few films now thinking where's the close-up gone you know and obviously seeing i've got the film on now you sort of see this kind of people's faces and the kind of the yeah, they're just acting with not even saying anything, just giving a look on and, and things like that. And I think it's kind of a lost art of filmmaking in many ways. Like, I mean, kind and of I ju- think I think he used uh, some of uh, Leone's people, like some of his oh, camera people did. Yeah, in, did. This, yeah. in this movie. But uh, no, and it's like you, the the close up of the faces. I mean, it's like Bergman said, like the human face is cinema's greatest subject. You know, uh, I love. Uh, there's there's just nothing like a good face. Like even like with a performance is reined in as Jesus's. Like, I can't get his face out of my mind when in that little bit where he says, like, you have to love me more than your mothers and fathers and yeah. wives or whatever. You see the, the look on his face there. It's just, it is very subtle, but it's very much like, you know, he knows that that is not something that people are going to want to hear. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. No, totally. That's, 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 but he gra- feels he has to say it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about this There's a gravitas to the words and the imagery without the fanfare and the fact that it does look relatively low budget. Yeah. I mean, it, you haven't got massive crowds of people. I mean, the same way it's kind of like, you know, being led up to be crucified and things like that. You can tell they, they just haven't got the money to kind of get people. It's still massively effective. And I think it's that which that that's what I, that's what does it for me. I think this film is that it's so unplayed. I, it seems a whole lot more realistic to me than it does the fact that Jesus would have like 250,000 people behind him you know kind of crying out his name it seems i don't know dare i say realistic i think that's probably the wrong word <laughs> to use but i find it more believable anyway i find it more um interesting from a kind of a cinematic point of view that that's what pasolini is going probably brought on about by the fact they didn't have much money to make it but i did, think did anybody get the feeling that he was kind of a one-take eddie on this movie mm-hmm. i definitely yeah. definitely and i think the... I, I you know what there's no coverage in this film i think it's one camera and it's like have we got it have we got it? I don't know. Ah, oh, fuck it. Let's get out of it. There's a bit, there's a couple of scenes in the movie where it feels like the cameraman misses his mark and then mm-hmm. corrects. Oh no, totally. Totally all the time. Like when they're introducing the apostles and there's a bit where he goes up and the dude's not there that he sort of darts the camera down. <laughs> <laughs> like, but it was kind of, I was kind of thinking they were like, oh, well, like next setup, please. Now, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, you think what was going on in Hollywood at the time this film came out, Hollywood had gone big by then you know we're talking the mid 60s and it yeah, was, this was it, like when cleopatra was oh christ i mean this was like funds. when you you know you filled your screen you know david lean you know write me a check i'm gonna fill that screen with as much things as i possibly can there's gonna be a lot of russians <laughs> exactly and, and, and this film's just like the polar opposite of that it's like you can just imagine them there with a 16 millimeter camera the lighting guy probably with a dodgy bulb 
you know, the sound guy probably just smoking his way through the entire thing. And then we're like, right, you know, I'll just stick the camera behind you. Have we got it? Yeah, we'll see you later. You know, sod it. We'll, you'll make our minds up then. And it, I think that's what gives, gives it kind of intimacy and a, a kind of an immediacy, I guess. Because, you know, when you are, uh, when, when you haven't got much money to make a film, you do get a lot more creative. And, you know, simply filming behind people showing something going on in the distance you don't need to have a massive crowd scene you can you know there could be ten thousand people standing behind that camera for you know as long as you've got three people in front of it who cares and i think that's one of the things that it works really well in this film i think perhaps the the, the budgetary limitations come about uh, uh, sort of manifest themselves in a really creative approach to the text with the budgetary constraints how he uses that city the idea jesus is uh, doing these sermons in he's so gifted at giving us this feel of what the town was like in old jerusalem yeah i think that's one thing he always does actually really well pasolini is that he really creates environments yeah. mm-hmm. in all his films i've noticed he's done that especially in decoron i mean it, oh yeah you, the, you, Canterbury Tales and yeah, Arabian I mean, Nights. I mean, it's just, oh, it feels yeah, so real. I love yeah, it. Yeah, and it's like, you know, that he's great at setting place and scene. I think that's one of the things I really like about him. And he, he's not afraid to kind of show the horribleness of those environments. I mean, when you watch this film, um, it, probably something you might not notice, but just look at the amount of flies and bugs flying around the camera. Oh, the, 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 I was noticed the amount of flies that were yeah. on Jesus in the tomb. Like, yeah, that... there's loads. I mean, there's just, and, 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 you know, if you've ever been to the Mediterranean that's what it's like it's covered in flies and bugs and that's you know <laughs> and that's not a massive generalization you know but you know it's like it's like you, you, you feel that this is you know it's a very um unglamorous unhollywood but again it, it has a kind of sense of reality to it and that again that's one of the reasons why i like it you you, you have a sense that this is taking place in a real world in a real environment and that, that's something when you look at those scenes where Jesus is put into him, you see kind of the, the town off in the distance. That town's actually there. Mm. You know, it's not it's not some map painting. It's not something that's been added in in post. It's there, mm. and it's there for you. See, and you know, who's to say that there was only five or six people there? Well, you know, if that, if you know, I'm perfectly happy to accept that that was the amount of people who were when, when he put in the tomb. And you don't need thousands of people there. You just need you know people mourning his death. And, and th- it's, it's kind of you, you accomplish, I suppose, what the point of the film is, which is to feel that the weight of what Jesus is going through in it. Mm. And he talks about that in that excellent behind the scenes documentary on the disc where he he went to these real places uh, that are in the Bible, but none of them, none of them have kept that old feeling to them everyone is every city is modernized and you see like um telephone lines going everywhere you see huge building rises um and he had to find this very old rural area that gives us the feel of the old biblical tales yeah absolutely and like i've, I've heard the joke that uh if you go to jerusalem and you walk the streets where jesus walked well are you walking them because they've been paved over many times you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I can actually say I've been to where Jesus is from. I've been to Israel before, and it's kind of, it's not a great place, to be honest with you. If I was going to make a film about Jesus, I'd probably camp out in, the, in the Italy, Italy or Greece or somewhere like that. Right, make it. right. Because you, you are probably going to get beaten up by the Israeli Defence Forces or <laughs> someone else. I mean, it's the only, do you know what the brilliant part about Jerusalem is? They have a special detachment of the police, especially there to intercept people who think they're the second coming. <laughs> That's awesome. How, how do you get a shit job? Like you must think, oh, I want to be in the police. All right, you're on Jesus return duty. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! I want to make a difference. You know what I mean? I want to work on Vice you, or something. Like, but your, you're your on whole Messiah job, detail. Your, your whole job is to look out for people, and apparently you can tell when they get there. They suddenly they they, they, must, they must have like kind of planned this out, but they can actually tell who's going to suddenly be crazy and start pretending to be Jesus. And the fact that they have a special police detachment for it, I think, is absolutely brilliant. But yeah, I mean, having been there, I can say. That he made the, absolutely the right decision because it's just full of neon signs and God knows what else going on. Hmm. So, yeah, you know, it's in an environment you can control a lot more. I think it makes perfect sense to film this in Italy. I think, I think, but Tom, real quick, I think you've just that's a great idea for a cop movie. Oh, gotcha. It, a a like, 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 like Detective Himes on on uh, on Messiah detail. There's we've got a seven 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 down in Jerusalem. <laughs> oh, no, it's the wailing, <laughs> no, the wailing wall is apparently where it all happens. 
Oh, really? And, and, and suddenly, apparently you can see them a mile off. They will suddenly start stripping off. And then literally, they're just like herded off <laughs> and, taken to the san- and taken to the sanatorium. And I, I, was just, I was shouting to this police officer and he was like, no, it's true. And I was, you have got to be kidding me. He was like, no, yeah, no, that, no. That and I said, how many times has this happened like, a year? Arnold and he was like, is an Israeli cop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, mean, I said to him, how many times has this happened on a yearly basis? And he was just like, you should have this glazed look on his face. He was like, don't even talk about it. <laughs> I was like, how do you differentiate between the real ones and the fake ones? And he was just like, just fuck off and stop talking to me. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, all right. Okay. All right, yeah. smart ass. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Okay, so uh, anything else you would like to discuss about gospel? Other than the fact that I think even, and I know it's saying such a ridiculously simple thing to say, but even from an atheist point of view, even if you don't, you're not into Jesus and God and all that kind of thing. They're called atheists in the general. Name, but <laughs> yeah, even if you like that, I still think this is a brilliant film, yeah. totally. And it reminds me of, in a way, I kind of think that um, the kind of the art of Christianity has been lost a lot. And you look at what's that guy's name, that preacher in America? Uh, Joel Osteen. Uh, oh God, Billy yeah, yeah, no, 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 Joe, no, Joel Osteen. You look at people like that, and they're not creating kind of anything like artistic. They look like a massive kind of pop concert. And, I, and what I find about these kind of films is that they kind of, they're really kind of, in their own right, they're really great works of art. And I, I've, I was lucky enough, l- enough to live near Canterbury Cathedral. And I think one of the things is like I miss about kind of religion in the modern era is the kind of beauty of what it produces in terms of buildings and art. And I think this film harkens back to a time when I think things were slightly better in the religious community. And I think this film harkens back to how I think, how, how good religious art can be. <laughs> Well, and that's that's the thing is um, one reason I'm Catholic is I was very drawn to the artwork that's that was produced by the Catholic Church uh, during the various eras. But, um, you know, but like the sort of mega church types like Joel Osteen, the thing about their version of Christianity is it's Republican very Jesus. Republican Jesus is is the followers of Republican Jesus. They they are very uh, literal in their readings of the Bible. If the it says the earth was created in seven days, well, that's how it was, you know, uh, where like whereas Catholics are more they they, you know, are more inclined to agree with St. Augustine that, you know, to take the Bible literally, literally robs it of its poetry and its deeper meanings. But that's why I think that the the megachurch crowd and their kiss concerts uh, <laughs> that they put on, I've, I've always said that uh, the mega church on sunday at those places is just a kiss concert but i think that's why you don't see them producing great art like when you see movies that they make they're very on the nose literal they don't have any what you see is what you get and it's because that's the way they approach art it's it it doesn't have concepts of beauty you know that's one thing uh my dad's really big into is uh is beauty and we need to have a conversation and a dialogue in public about beauty and art because it's totally been lost in the modern era and we need to get back to that. And uh, I think that's one thing you see in movies like this. Like Pasolini is, a guy, is an artist who understood beauty. And uh, a lot of the great Italian artists, uh, whether they're religious or secular, understood beauty. You look at the, the works of the Renaissance. Well, I mean, everything we've been talking about today as well, we're talking about character moments. Mm. Yeah, you know, we're talking about when Mary looks at her son and feels a sense of loss, and we're talking yeah. about you know these are all moments that we associate with being in any good film. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's a really important point to make, and this is one of one of the things. You know, it's the language of cinema telling a story, and I think that's some, a very important kind of issue to kind of get over because when we talk about films that we don't like and we don't enjoy, it always comes down to character for me. Mm-hmm. It always comes down to the fact that I don't engage with people, and this film I do engage with it, and despite the fact you know obviously. I look at this as being a story of which I have to get into. And I get into it purely through the language of cinema, which is that that can't not be a good thing. And when I kind yeah. of feel moved at the end of this film, it doesn't matter whether I'm religious or I'm not religious. The fact that I'm actually feeling something this character's going through and I'm feeling the gravitas and weight of what's going on in the film, that's something which I, I wouldn't get out of the Bible in a way. Well, and, and I think that's why this film really does have an appeal to a secular crowd as well as a religious crowd is you know the the like catholic church sees it and they get that the deeper meanings of jesus and his message out of it through those moments and even uh i think it that it resonates with a secular crowd because it is so well made by a by such a great artist um who who really understood who who like read those gospels and understood 
the concepts of beauty and the power of the message in there, even though he wasn't inclined to, to really believe it. He th- felt it, he f- it obviously resonated strongly with him enough to film it. Mm. Yeah, I, I think this is the thing about films like this as well, is that they get people talking about mm. religion. Yeah. Like, I mean, which I think is a good thing. We need to talk about religion and we need to kind of... One of the things I find is like having dialogue with people who are religious and it's it's always fascinating to me to have those conversations and this is a film that promotes that type of conversation and kind of it's a film like i said before i think it's a film that bridges the gap and i think it does it really well well yeah it, it productive conversation exactly not, yeah not shouting matches yeah know? exactly not kind of well you know, there's no evidence and yes there you're boring you know i think it, it kind of it puts things on an even keel as it were right to move on to the like technical qualities of the disc i found that the image at times were very like unclear and um it didn't feel some of the scenes especially like big crowd scenes it felt like the the transfer was uh, really muddy and really almost out of focus at times did you any of you caught up on that or yes and i'm more inclined to think that comes from the fact of the way in which it's been made i think this is probably a film that hasn't had like prime zeiss Mm -hmm. lenses i think it's probably suffered a little bit because at times it's like crystal clear on the on some of the close-ups and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it probably I think that's more of a limitations of how how it was filmed. But I do think it looks brilliant. Actually, I I, I think I I really get the the, the I, I like the fact it's in black and white anyway. To be brutally honest with you, but I I've owned this movie three times. Mm. Um, the first one I got was a disc that had a which a version it had two versions of the movie on it. One was uh, shall we say colorized oh, and God. cut down for. And the cover suggested it was uh, made for the Republican Jesus crowd. And, uh, but it also had the full-length movie as a bonus feature on the disc and uh, in black and white. And uh, that was the first one I had. I got rid of that and got a, uh, a disc that had just the movie. It had a picture of Pasolini on the cover. It, like There were a series of – I don't know if it was like a box set or something, but it was all these different movies that had the same picture of Pasolini on the cover. And I had this one, and it had like uh, a little featurette on there. But And then I got this one. When I found out Masters of Cinema had done it, I went, okay, that's the definitive one. I'm getting it. I'm getting it, and I got it. And I will say like – even though, yeah, some of the crowd shots and stuff a little muddy, but it's million times better than both the <laughs> yeah. versions I've owned before. I was like, I was like, oh my gosh! It was like watching it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of the like the true beauty of some of the shots just didn't come through on the, you know, crummy transfers I had on the last couple of discs. And this one, it really, uh, you know, some of those close ups and the shots on Blu-ray, I was just like, you know, I was so I was I was uh, way more forgiving with the transfer because I've. It just experienced uh, two crummy versions of it already. Yeah. And the sound as well is really awesome. Yeah, Especially definitely. when they are playing those, um, like, the African beats, and you can really yeah. hear those drums beating, yeah. No, I'll take you down with it. And I think it's got some fantastic features on this on this way. It's literally packed to the rafters mm-hmm. with, with with extra material. I mean, like the yeah, it's got a great, great essays and interviews with Pasolini in the book. Mm. He's a fascinating... He is a generally fascinating guy as well, Pasolini. I mean, this is someone who got bumped off for his his troubles mm-hmm. you know and i think it's like you know just seeing him hearing him speak i think is always really interesting and i just love the fact that you know there's so many interviews and the, because the makings of on there as well mm. if i could have asked for one extra supplement it would have been perhaps like a a commentary of sorts with a, a theologian or something uh, i think that would have mm-hmm. been really interesting view to have uh, especially considering this type of figure that pasolini is regarded as uh, nowadays I, I agree completely. That is what's missing from the disc. Mm. Um, if I was going to say anything, although, you know, I'm very pleased with yeah, uh, what they put together. But yeah, but yeah, no, a commentary track like with a with a theologian or or maybe a, maybe a, a person who really knows Pasolini and a, a theologian or a priest or somebody mm-hmm. who really knows uh, and, you know, people who understand this movie and uh yeah, religion and Pasolini. So. Yeah, I mean, it's actually, I mean, I own the um, special edition of The Passion of the Christ 
and bearing in mind I hate that film as well but, you, I, you, but you own it oh I own it yeah I own, it in, <laughs> in, in, I, I own the bare bones version and then I, I've got the full special edition with the gag reel and all that kind of thing and, yeah I've got the I've got the special edition yeah. of it and it has several commentaries yeah, and, on it, there. and I, I found them really interesting to listen to actually okay so what's going on with the Midnight Movie Cowboys you reached 100 episodes not long ago didn't you yeah we yeah we had our 100th episode Stuart just came into the states and we recorded a few episodes we saw avengers we saw mad max um we also have a few other shows we've recorded that are we haven't uh released yet mm-hmm. including one on beware of mr baker the uh Ooh. documentary on ginger baker which was yeah. absolutely crazy i love that film and I, yeah. I i know the director of that and he uh he literally did get his nose rearranged for that oh, film. So, yeah it, it looked like uh, it hurt uh i was yeah, like it didn't look staged it looked like he was in pain oh no 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 trust me he got his face rearranged by that guy so uh yeah <laughs> He, he like, suffered for us, so yeah, poor Jay yeah, uh, suffered yeah, t- Well, tell him I appreciate him taking one in the face for us. Yeah, but uh, but so you know, but uh, yeah, the show's still going strong, um, and uh, we've we've been around for a hundred episodes, so hopefully we'll have a hundred more, and maybe pe- more people will listen. I hope. Hmm. Good stuff. Yes, and you can find us at midnightmoviecowboys.com, FYI. And Tom, you recently started up Twenty Four Frames Cast again. Yeah. Oh, really? My, oh, yes, I did. Yes, it has returned with my 2014 film. And shut up, everyone. The Hunger Games are brilliant. <laughs> I've had a few emails about that. And I went this year, I did my top 10 was, was I, I did it more from kind of what I really loved. And I, I've had some quite interesting emails back. But um, no, there's more coming as well. There'll be an you episode. haven't had anybody tell you they can't listen because you sound gay anymore, right? No, I've not had that insult <laughs> for a while. I've not had anyone email to, ins- to I still tell can't me believe that. That's the <laughs> you, say, you sound gay, so I'm unsubscribing. My favorite ever one ever was you talk about films I've never heard of before. <laughs> which i was just like i was like thank you so much you've just made my day but um well that's the no. thing is that's the kind of uh problem the conundrum with uh our show is whenever we do a show on something like avengers which we do just to get Stu to yell about stuff whenever we do a show like that it gets a ton of downloads but then we do like a, do- a one on like you know the john milius documentary or you know, some kung fu movie and, and nobody listens. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm about to release, let, let least them about two hours of a film about the Epic of Everest, huh. um, which was a film made in 1924 about um, Sir Edmund Hillary's attempt to ascend Everest. And, uh, yeah, I will be, for, for, for the hours it's taken me to come up with this episode, I'll be expecting all of two downloads for it. <laughs> some, uh, some rather well, finarchy I'll, email. I'll download it and listen no, to it. Thank so. you very much, Hunter. But, yeah, <laughs> it has returned, and there is a lot more coming. I'm, I'm, I'm getting through my backlog, and there will be an episode coming out probably in the next seven days about Far From the Madding Crowd, uh, Mad Max, and Steven Spielberg's Duel as well. Oh, so, nice. Yes. Oh, very nice. Yeah, that just got it's, a Blu-ray re-release here. It did, yes. So that's why I was going to talk about it, because it has the whole car thing going on with Mad Max. So I apologise oh, yeah. in advance if I'm not sad elevating over Mad Max. I probably say I really like it, which will mean I hate it, obviously. Well, yeah, I, so. I, I will say I still have a war boner from that movie, so... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, you can find us at mocast.blogspot.com. You can send us an email at mossofcinemacast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at moc underscore cast. Uh, so both of you, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank Thanks you. for having me. It's a pleasure, as always. And uh, for you listeners, thank you for joining in. And until next time, goodbye.